Hi, everybody. This is a podcast where real medical professionals discuss fake medical emergencies. That means that unless you forgot to retract your adamantium claws before going to the bathroom, this podcast is not medical advice. If you need medical advice or medical care, please contact your doctor. Hi, everybody. I'm Jackson Vane. I'm Johnny Kolosinski. You might remember me from such podcasts as Could I Be Any More Enlightened? The Buddhist Wisdom of Chandler Bing. God damn it. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> That's horrible. <laughs> uh, this is Hi, Everybody, a Bad Medicine podcast. Every week we talk about what Hollywood gets That's right. So this is a podcast where we talk about what Hollywood gets right and wrong about medicine and how the body works. Uh, with this this week, once again, our two wonderful guests, Dr. Greg Winter. Hi. Everybody. <laughs> <laughs> he said the name of the show. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, and Dr. Courtney Nicholas. Hello. Uh, you can find this podcast, by the way, on iTunes, well, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and on Instagram, Facebook, and Spotify. Twitter, and Spotify at Hi Everybody MD. What are we talking about this weekend for Horrortober? Horrortober's movie number three. <laughs> it's going to be Saw 2, the 2005 classic horror movie, kind of, but not really. Starring the cheaper Wahlberg. It is. The, it is, it is uh, great value Wahlberg, Donnie Wahlberg, who is married to Jenny McCarthy. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is a podcast all about how vaccines are bad. Or this is a movie about how to no, that bit. everyone wants everyone in this movie wants a vaccine this is true is oh my gosh how did this marriage happen this is this is solely life imitates art yeah imitates life. Every, case, everyone is actively chasing after needles to inject themselves with stuff to save themselves one person gets a lot of vaccines yeah oh yeah I don't think those are vaccines <laughs> uh, in case anybody's curious this podcast is proof that none of us are the masked singer oh come on <laughs> Why would you make that horrible joke? Uh, have you listened to our shows? Oh yeah, true, fair. Uh, so why did we choose Saw Two? Because it's Horrortober, and there's a Horrortober. Fun... Sorry, thank you. The joke <laughs> continues forever. It, I think it, there was a lot of just good scenes about bad medicine in this whole movie, mm-hmm. which essentially is the entire Saw series. I would say we didn't want to do Saw One because there wasn't enough stuff to talk about and the other ones just got a little too crazy this just had the right amount of crazy <laughs> just the right <laughs> amount of nonsense yeah just the right amount of nonsense i mean it starts off with the bang no pun intended but I it was a guy would. yeah <laughs> but this was a guy with the death mask on him mm-hmm. and they said that he would see his answer somewhere and then you see the x-ray of a key in his eye socket um for those of you who don't know me i've got one eye and a prosthetic eye trauma is a big old nope for me <laughs> but you won the game right so you were able to escape jake's yeah, yeah. you got the key <laughs> <laughs> i mean they showed an x I, the thing that kind of was a little crazy was they showed the x-ray of the key floating on top of the eye socket like it didn't look like it was pointing inwards or anything like that yeah i'm i'm thinking about this more and more and and it's like if he if the key is where they showed it, it's basically just sitting in his eye socket, which you don't have to do anything to get... You just can pull it out. It's already been... The eye is already destroyed when you put the key in there, yeah. so you just, just take it out. Just fish it out a little bit, <laughs> and that's it. I mean, or it was going to be on the skin, because the way the x-ray looked like, it was sitting outside of yeah, the well, socket. Yeah. It, was... it did, but you couldn't see it on his face. No, like, no. You, saw the you just saw gruesome 
And you saw the ball of his eye, yeah. but you didn't see the key. I, th- I think his problem was not knowing anatomy and knowing how easy it would probably be to get that key out. He just had an idea of where the key is. Yeah. He's like, well, I got to go through my eye. I don't think he... Like, either it's right there and you can get it, or it's kind of in the skin and you don't want to cut through your eye to do that. So if Jigsaw is going to take out one person on this podcast, it's going to be me. <laughs> but it's it. going to be really easy, though, because he just has to, like, lift up your prosthetic yeah. and just Boink. slide it in and then you're set right there. So how would you guys, this is going to be another, I, it, it, please delete this so we can be doctors moment. Um, <laughs> how would you guys hide a, hide a key in someone's eye socket or behind someone's eye? Use a smaller key. <laughs> yeah, if you're going to hide it, you're going to have to use a smaller oh, key. But that wouldn't cause the damage that he was I, looking for. I mean, either that or hide it under the bone part, you know, and then make him dig for it. But the other thing is, when he was put his the knife or whatever it was into his eyeball, it was really bloody. And the eye itself isn't that bloody, at least at the it's, point where he the eye, the eye has different stuff in it. It's, it's there's goop, goop in the it's eye. Goop. There isn't blood in the eye. And I, that's the other thing I was thinking about. It's like, if you get hit in the eye, you're... Is it your eye that's hurting, or is it your skin and all the other stuff that's hurting? It's, your eye can feel pressure. Your, your eye can feel, well, your eye, your eye can feel pain. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, trust me, oh, yeah, I get I eyelashes to, behind my prosthetic. I have, I scratched my cornea. Yes, that I also got one of the most painful things ever. Yes, uh, this is medical advice, guys. If you have a prosthetic eye and you're eating hot sauce, don't touch get, your prosthetic. Don't eye. Prost- <laughs> touch your prosthetic eye, and don't if you get do, don't go to the bathroom. Wash your eye. Yeah. Because what that's going to lead to is I can't drive home because I cannot keep my eyes open. Because, because I can't see out of that eye anymore? Because I couldn't keep my other... Yes, I can't see out of my, my glass eye. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's <laughs> exactly what was happening. Your, your uh, eyes are accommodating. This... I couldn't keep any eyes open because I was in excruciating pain because of Skyline hot sauce yeah. behind mm-hmm. my prosthetic. Mm-hmm. One could argue that if you have hot sauce on your hands, you shouldn't touch... Your other eye, either. Yeah, you, maybe not. Maybe wash your hands before going to the bathroom. I thought this was going to go a totally different direction. Like one would say, if you had hot sauce, you shouldn't touch many parts of your body. <laughs> no, that's just a no-no in general in that part. Let's stick to touching napkins. Nap what? Soap and water. Soap and water is probably the best thing you can do to help you out. Just and probably avoid touching anything that's. Mucosal that can get irritated. <laughs> mucosal. Wait. <laughs> Don't create a human centipede after touching hot sauce. Yeah. Oh man, that oh. would suck. Can you imagine if that front guy ate like hot sauce or something like that? It'd just make a horrible human centipede. I think that's what everyone imagines. <laughs> <laughs> what if that guy didn't have a pleasant meal? Eat spicy kibble. <laughs> I'm just speechless right now with this look of horror on my face. <laughs> but. <laughs> Yep. Hortober. Yes, correct. So we go back to like the main story because that was just like the appetizer. Yeah. The amuse bouche, you might say, for this whole entire movie. <laughs> I have one question about the amuse bouche. Yep. Uh, so Jigsaw, who's the spoilers, the bad guy, uh, he's the okay guy. Yeah. He, he's basically trying to a- answer the questions of why man great till he got to be great. He cuts out a jigsaw puzzle <laughs> piece out of all of his victims. Yeah. Is that something... Could he get that specific of a sample? Yeah. I mean, yes. if, if you use something sharp enough, you can definitely do it. And when you do biopsies of moles on people, you're usually making some nice, clean incisions and then taking that chunk of skin out. So if you want to be fancy one day, 
and do a really nice skin biopsy, you can always make a jigsaw in there and take the skin out. And then talk to your local medical board about why you did that. <laughs> I thought it would look cool. Um, yeah, because I'm kind of thinking now I want to carve my initials in, but it's probably something I could only do on myself. Yeah, someone got yeah. arrested for doing that. Yeah. <laughs> that, a doctor got arrested for doing that Plastic inside surgeon, of someone's right? body. Really? No. Was doing it on their, or, on their liver. Oh, no, yeah. yeah, yeah. Was like, oh, yeah. like actually cauterizing it, too, yeah. and not just, you know, cutting, but burning it in. Like, that's the thing, like, Shut he only got caught because up. somebody had another surgery, and they're and like, they "What is this? Why, why, are, initials, why are there yeah. initials in somebody?" You basically were was doing. He was basically doing graffiti in someone's abdomen. Like Doctor God was here. Kilroy was here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then just wow. drew like a little face there and just wow. left it there. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. So Doctors I guess can be kind of messed up. Yeah, but to answer your question, yeah, you can do a nice yeah. little carving like I think that. You could. There is. Um, a little tool that you use in the office to do punch biopsies, that's these little circular biopsies. So if you want to, you know, look at some part of someone's skin for skin cancer, and that's just a, it's like a little tool that's a perfect circle, and you punch it out, and you actually take that piece of skin, and you lift it up, and you can kind of cut off the bottom. You get really nice, clean edges. It looks really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, to do something like that, you would need a stencil, or you would have to be pretty good freehand. Mm-hmm. But then you need something that's really sharp, so that you can get nice, clean edges, and then there are dissecting tools that kind of put tension on your skin and your skin will peel back like that just like when you were di- dissecting things in yeah biology class yeah, things are things are very layered in your body and you if if you have the right tools you can you could do that so shrek was medically accurate when it said that people have layers like an onion i think they were talking about uh what makes them complex as opposed to <laughs> the actual physical layers of their body emotionally, <laughs> emotionally although the skin complex. does have layers it does. But like an onion. Like an onion. Yeah. And I, that's the other part, too, is, like, when they try to remove all the skin, they have to really do dissect each layer out. And I don't think they... That's, it makes it look like it's just as simple as cutting it and then just lifting it. Yeah. It yeah. looks like cutting fat off a steak. So, I mean, if you were watching it in real time, when people are making incisions that they want to be kind of nice and clean incisions, they put tension on the skin... So that it's not bunched up. Your skin is a little bit elastic. So they put tension so they can get a nice clean line. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after you make a line, the skin, because the skin is elastic, you can really stretch it out and you can fold those layers up. It's, I, I mean, people that are good at, I mean, surgeons who are presumably good at dissecting, they make it look very easy. It's pretty difficult to do. And you, there's all these techniques to kind of pull the layers away from each other and to, ex, to expose the things that you want to see. Do you still call it dissecting when it's not? A lab situation. I was thinking about that as I said it, and I don't know. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. There you go. Courtney knows. Um, yeah, you dissect out to get to what you're looking okay. at, what you're looking for, anything you want to repair, or whatever you're doing with the surgery. You have to kind of dissect out the area. So, I guess, going back to the, the storyline mm-hmm. part, SWAT finally does find Jigsaw, and he's like on chemo. But he looks really good for a guy on chemo, I have to say. Yeah, everyone's different. Chemo affects different people differently. Who knows what type of chemo it's on. He just... he. There are times in this movie where he looks very, very frail. And other times where he's really taken a beating pretty well. Yeah, I, so. I, I think at one point he just randomly just puffs on oxygen. Just because he's it sick. Lets, it lets you know... He's sick? He's sick. Maybe he was just puffing on epinephrine. Like we saw in Flatliners last week. Oh, God. That was terrible. Because that's how they brought 
people back to life. Instead of giving them injections, they actually were puffing on epinephrine just to get them back. That would be awesome. <laughs> if that worked. If that worked. If that worked. That would make I mean, my life so much I mean, so if you had easier. terminal croup, then yeah. <laughs> Medicine is really specialized, and it's like... Does that? I'm thinking. Does that work? I have no idea what people do for any of that. Stuff. So and usually yeah, we don't use. No, it. I can. I can tell clearly that's a preposterous thing. But I. I mean, I don't use it. So how? What do I know? There are two ways that I give epinephrine: through the veins or down the ET tube, straight into the lungs. Breathing would be awesome. <laughs> you Wait, so, you're, so, but, so you're applying it to the lungs, but you're not applying it. It's a liquid. And so we put a breathing tube in, put the patient on the ventilator, and then you just pour the epinephrine down the ET tube. I, I'm picturing like, a, 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 yes. like, like yeah. a chicken with like with a funnel sort of thing, which is probably um, not no, quite no, no, no. We're not gava- yeah. We're not gavaging this kid. Like, why are you giving it in their lungs as opposed to injecting it? In the delivery room, if we don't have venous access and a baby is coding, then you, the first thing is you want to get them breathing. So you intubate them, and if their heart rate goes down and they need epinephrine, you don't have any way to give it in the veins, then you pour it down the ET tube. Yep. Why, aren't, why aren't you doing IO? Because the IO, their bones are too thin, and you're going to drill straight through their leg. So technically you can give a neonate an IO, but, but it's faster <laughs> it to is put faster it down the ET tube. What about nebulized? What about if it works in flatliners, then I'm going to bring it into the delivery room. Yes, because there's up. one thing we learned from flatliners: it's that everything that works in flatliners works in real life. Yeah, yes. we do use. There's like studies about uh, nebulized morphine and, and about nebulized lorazepam, but they don't do anything. I mean, we <laughs> use nebulized lorazepam. Wait, let me think about this. No, we use intranasal lorazepam. We actually so it's liquid form and we, it goes we in use nebula or sorry we use intranasal Versed all the time for anxiolysis, mm-hmm. but we also use nebulized ketamine at times and there's studies for that to reduce suicidality. It's not fully like approved yet, but it's actually one of the. I use ketamine all the time for depression. Ketamine's great. <laughs> Have you seen all the recent um, studies on mushrooms and depression? Yep, coming out of Hopkins, it's pretty impressive. It's, it's coming out of Colorado. Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah, that's that was my one of my fellowship teachers that's doing that shit. When is it coming to Kaiser Permanente? It's legal in Colorado. <laughs> it is now legal. Nice. Um, so <laughs> anyway, anyway, <laughs> this is all staying in. By the way, this was fascinating. <laughs> um, the so, Greg, I want to talk a little bit about your specialty, which is palliative care, end of life care. We'll get there. I have notes for later in there. Okay. Oh, great. <laughs> oh, about whether building torture but, rooms is... <laughs> well, why don't you ask me? I shouldn't have cut you off. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, how often is something that you, as you're working with your patients, is building a torture room to, <laughs> uh, uh, to torture those who have wronged you and your underlings? To be fair, he's not torturing them because they wronged him. He's torturing them so that they can appreciate... Living in the future, that, and that is and what appreciate he life. He does want them to succeed. He that wants them true. to succeed so that they they can better enjoy. I life. think there's a part of him that wants them to fail. I think <laughs> he's got he got he got really smirky before uh, poor that, man's Mark Wahlberg that, started hitting. That's saw three. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, uh, spoiler alert. I mean, this guy's pretty vindictive, and I think they go into it in Saw One more about his diagnosis and how that led him to do this because he wanted people to appreciate life although saw one is a better movie but i mean i know it's not a psychiatry podcast but psychiatry is part of medicine it should count he he says 
and it does count. So I it, does count. it does count. Um, but he's talking to to uh, Danny Dubs and says, <laughs> "I've never murdered anyone in my life. What he's doing is murder. Like, <laughs> there's no the there's, the machines murdered. They all had a chance to live. I mean, that's that's a." Uh, what is that? I'm playing Jigsaw's advocate here. That's a philosophy question about yeah. if you build a machine to murder people and the and the machine murders people, are you the murderer? Like, yeah. The amount of time what is murder has come up on this podcast <laughs> it makes me a little uncomfortable, especially knowing that Google indexes everything. I will say I feel like I missed a bit. I'm a bit step back um, because I did not see Saw 1. And so you don't, never... You don't, you don't need to, yeah. Well, it was good you guys kind of explained little bits here and there, but never see a sequel. Jigsaw felt wronged. <laughs> uh, someone didn't diagnose his cancer properly, and then he was found out to be terminal, and now he takes it out on him. And Wesley from Princess Bride is in it. Correct. Best part. Yeah. You're saying that you're willing to see mm-hmm. Human Centipede too, because you've seen the first one. The full sequence? I did not go there. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> There's this part in the movie where he's um, pontificating a little bit and talking about, you know, what it means to appreciate life and how people are broken. And it's very, it's like a, both good and a bad speech. I'm trying to look at the stuff that I wrote right now. It's Jigsaw's last lecture. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he says a couple things in there. He says, the knowledge that you're, the knowledge that you're going to, the knowledge of your own death changes everything completely. And he's talking about knowing the exact day and time he's going to die and how when he was in the hospital, someone came in and told him. That's a thing that does happen in real life. Uh, I have had to do those conversations with people. I I have never given someone an exact day or time. But that is something that often gets told to people. They get told they have six months to live or a week to live or something like that. Um, in my line of work, we try to be real careful with that language. We, we are very general. None of that stuff is up to us. Nobody knows how long somebody's really going to live. Um, but that is often how patients hear that, and and I can totally see from his perspective, that's like a big life-changing moment. It puts your whole life in perspective, mm-hmm. kind of changes how you're going to, to do things moving forward. I do hospice care, so I'm doing end-of-life care for people all the time, and they often, I mean, they talk about that moment, and they also talk about how it makes them appreciate life more. So that's a thing that I totally was like, oh, that was, I mean, that's kind of like real life. He's a, he's a little melodramatic about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, if anytime if you've had some scary experience, usually you appreciate life a little bit better for at least a little while before things kind of go back to normal. I think that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. I'll get off my soapbox. And there and therein lies the creation of the next Jigsaw. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Right? How many are there? What? Jigsaws? Jigsaws. Does one Jigsaw... Well, actually, if they, they spoiler alert. Yeah, spoiler alert. We there's met like, Jigsaw Jr. There's like three Jigsaws in, in the whole series. No, but I mean, how many movies? Oh, in the whole movies? There's six. Six, six or seven, I believe. It's a lot. And a new yeah. one on the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hooray! In a baby Jigsaw. Congratulations, you're expecting a Jigsaw. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's interesting to hear you talk about that, too, because when you're telling people, trying to gauge how long their life is, but not giving definitive periods of time it changes how they see their life and how they focus on what they're going to do and in my line of work i have you're a neonatologist i'm a neonatologist so i take care of babies in the icu some of whom are very sick and unfortunately some of whom don't survive we have to do something similar to that but the receptive side of that is not 
how am I going to change my life or how am I going to make the most of what time I have left, but how am I going to prepare for losing my child? And I, I've learned very quickly that we know nothing about timing. Like, yeah. <laughs> I've had, you know, patients who I thought for sure were not going to survive. And, you know, two months later, they're going home and their mothers are writing me notes saying, thank you for letting my son prove medicine wrong. And so I've just given up trying to. Yeah. Yeah. To I've... pigeonhole that. For me on the ER side, I just go, someone else will tell you. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird because it's a, I mean, you get a. You get a significant diagnosis, and of course, that is a legitimate question to ask that helps you frame what you're going to do moving forward, and I think doctors want to be helpful, but also often have a hard time saying, I don't know, and this is a moment where people need to be saying, I don't know more. Yeah. There, there is a, certainly you can use experience to kind of guide what frame we're talking about, but I think, I, I have a lot of patients that were told something specific, like, four weeks and it's like that is a meaningful time frame to tell somebody but it's also based on sort of nothing it's Not, like yeah. you can't everyone's really different everyone processes the disease differently the disease can affect other people differently it's yeah. impossible to guess that kind of stuff so i would agree with you on that part this is the most maudlin episode of the podcast <laughs> yes. we've done Seriously. uh so let's get let's can let's we get it, back to shenanigans yeah let's, let's get back to shenanigans somebody's also. saying funny shit yeah so um we finally, so they find Jigsaw, and then Jigsaw reveals their, um, his magnificent plan that he locked a bunch of people inside of a house and they have two hours to live because he released, and I quote, the same, uh, they are breathing in the same nerve agent in the Tokyo train attacks. So sarin gas. Sarin gas. So sarin gas. What, what does sarin gas do? Yeah, sarin gas is an organophosphate, so it causes you, as I teach all my residents, it makes you leak out of every orifice in your body. Oh wait, so that was accurate? No, they, no, <laughs> they were a little sweaty, but like I think we were but discussing his description was accurate at least. He dis- what was his description? He, descri- he described it as as he'll be bleeding from every orifice. They don't bleed from every they orifice. Don't bleed. That's the difference. They, they leak from every orifice. Leak everything else. It, it, yeah. oh, oh. So so whatever would normally come from that orifice orifice is going to come out of that orifice. Tears, running, uh, like snot, drool, pee, poop, sweat. You're a very juicy person. <laughs> yeah. Everything wants to come out that's in there. Your blood is in a different system. Yeah. So you don't necessarily cough up blood. You just become very juicy. Yeah. And um, You'd be you, flemmy, 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 but not bloody, bloody, bloody. Correct. And I've only seen like one case of an organophosphate thing. And it was like when I was in New Mexico. And it's like rural. So gonna, insecticides. Pesticides, yeah. Yeah. Pesticides. And that kid was super sweaty very hard to like control the nurses couldn't hold his arm to do an iv because he was so slippery oh. um <laughs> when i tried to put a breathing tube in it was just mounds and mounds of drool so i'm suctioning the whole time and then of course he's just a stinky mess too because every when you're leaky you're leaky so everything comes out it's uh, this might not be something you know but is sarin something that's based on an insecticide or i'm not sure i know it's chemical warfare right and it was used by that cult um in, col- in, Japan. in Japan. In Japan, yeah. To do all that stuff. And I, So what they show in this movie is people coughing up blood. That's like the signifier that things are moving along. There's not any gas I can think of that makes people do that. Tuberculosis um, gas. I, that's I, like, <laughs> like, so people cough up blood from if they've swallowed blood. Yeah. If they have lung cancer. Um, 
if they have something tuberculosis, if they have injury to the inside of their lung, yeah. that's when people are coughing up blood. I mean, sarin gas is known as causing something called the killer bees, which is bronchos, uh, bronchospasm and then bronchorrhea. So sometimes right. if you fill up your lungs enough with fluid and you start breaking down tissue inside of your lungs, you may cough up blood, but you're probably going to cough up bloody sputum and not just like frank blood. Yeah, that's the bigger difference. And they were coughing up blood like it was no big deal. Yeah, like, yeah. Bring it up, spit it out. No, I'm good. I'm yeah. good. <laughs> You'd expect them to look a lot more pale or gurgling a little more. See, these are otherwise healthy people. I'm okay. I think they took some me, some okay artistic I don't license. Know. Donnie, I have patients that cough up blood. They look okay. Donnie Wahlberg's kid did not look in great shape. He though. did not look like he was in great shape. He, he looked like, like he was in bad shape before the movie even started. He has three cigarettes to start the day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, so yeah, they oh that's what I'm saying. So they they cough up blood, and that's the thing they show a lot in movies to show someone is sick. I think it's way less common than than that. Yeah. Um, like I, there are those few things that kind of cause some cause you to cough up blood, or you could have a, a bloody sputum from that. Also, I would say another time I'd see people cough up blood is if their throat was really sore and they cough up a little bit of blood. Yeah, but it's like a streak of blood and a bunch of spit. Yeah, if you're coughing a lot and you if it irritated your throat, that can definitely cause you to have some some blood in there. But I was thinking about what could get somebody to have blood coming out of their mouth because this happens all the time. It's in movies all the time. And um, the medicine Coumadin that we use for blood thinner, that is something where if you overdose on it, you can have bleeding out of any of your orifi, orifices. Orifices. One of those. Yeah. Holes. Uh, but, <laughs> bleeding out of your holes. But so if, if you have too much of that, you can have spontaneous bleeding. It's not... It's probably less that you're coughing up blood and more that coughing is causing just some damage in your mucosa and then it's going to cause, your blood just won't clot. Yeah. That's the same medicine they use for rat poison. Mm. So everyone kidnapped was on Coumadin. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. You gave them Coumadin and sarin gas. Just, you know, for dramatic effect. I mean, if well, you, you really want to kill them. It's, it's Hollywood, so you have to have something that you can see. And right. Like, the sweating is okay, but... But having a slightly mu- mucusy cough is not dramatic enough for Hollywood. And it would also turn into a comedy if everyone just crapped their pants and just tried to go through the whole thing. The <laughs> it's whole hard time. to have a serious crap your pants move. <laughs> <laughs> just your fart noises as they're running from, like, obstacle to obstacle. just doesn't work as well. I don't know. Terrence and Phillips' list was... Uh, and that was an Oscar winner. That was an Oscar winner. <laughs> and then not so much with coughing, but with throwing up, someone who's a heavy drinker um, mm. can have dilated vessels around the esophagus and they can vomit blood pretty easily too. Yeah. But, I mean, all those people were allegedly bad people, so they probably could have done that too. If it's they were heavy less, drinkers. <laughs> they just all happen to have separate reasons for coughing up blood. <laughs> One was on... One's on Coumadin. Six people have been brought to a house. <laughs> <laughs> it's the real world? Real, real world, world saw house. With real death world masks. Exactly. Um, can I ask everyone a question? Why does everyone stare in the flashlight before turning it on? I know. Oh, Jackson. I mean... I'm sorry, Jackson. I you can't do that. That's... Courtney said that. You I know. Can't take that away from her. <laughs> she didn't take notes, and right when she asked that, I wrote it down right away. Because I you were writing it down, too. And that's why I want to ask. What, it's a valid question. It is a valid question. It does not need to be attributed to anyone. I know we're not a flashlight podcast, but <laughs> wouldn't that blind you? Think about it. Every single movie you've ever seen, someone is hitting a flashlight, trying to see if it works, and turns it on directly into, into the, their I eyes. I have only done that when, yes, it turns out it's dead. I was right. <laughs> also, I mean, in real life, 
I have hit a flashlight, and it has kind of turned back on a little bit again. It is now not a working flashlight. It is a flashlight that worked for about two seconds. You don't you yeah. don't have to shake a flashlight. Either that flashlight is working, or it is not working. Yeah, it, it, it's not a shake weight flashlight. Right. <laughs> I did have weight. a crank flashlight that I had in my emergency kit where you would, like, you'd squeeze the handle on it, and it would run for five minutes. Oh, that's a totally different type of crank flashlight I thought of. Yeah, <laughs> as, opposed to, as, as opposed to... Throw out Chelios flashlight. <laughs> In the faster I ran, the brighter it was. They have solar flashlights, too. All of those solar batteries that you get have flashlights on the back of them. Charge your phone. I mean, that's great if you're camping and you're outdoors and things like that, but not for your emergency kit on day one. This is true. Or if you're locked in a dungeon with somebody trying to kill you. Without a window. Without a window. And especially if you want to go back to that whole thing, when you shine the light... You mean the movie? Oh, no, the, yeah, no, yeah. the flashlights. Yeah. yeah, but if you shine the flashlight in your eyes and you're in a dark room, you're blinded for a little yeah. bit. Yeah. You're kind of screwed yourself over for a little while. Do you remember what the chemical's called in your eyes that allows you to see in the dark? I don't know why I know Magic? This. Rhodopsin? Rhodopsin. It Rhodopsin. is Rhodopsin. Yeah. In the rods. Why do you know that? I know a lot of random stuff. You know this. That's it's, insane. That's why I play trivia. That is like my one piece of medical trivia that I know. That's why I I play trivia all the time. It's just how it works. Um, Oh my god, trivia last week had something all about neonatology and I missed it. I missed half a stack. Oh, shame. I should break out the shame. They called it storkology. That's terrible. Are you going to get a new coat? Wait, what was the storkology? What was the question? Was it just like... No, it was like a whole list of questions. Like, what's the white stuff on a baby when they're born? Fernix. And uh, what... Did you know that one? I knew all of them, but I wasn't there. Oh, oh you missed oh, them because you weren't there. I thought you missed the question. Yeah. I thought you... Oh, no, no, no. I got all of them right. It would have been perfect. The I, o- I got epistaxis time... wrong, and I was so upset. I was like hitting... Epistaxis means bloody nose, This is not guys. going in there. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, it was, what does epistaxis mean? And I was like, oh, that's when you're vomiting blood. And I, as I was hitting it, I was like, nope, that's nope. a nosebleed. Oh, no. <laughs> that would be hematemesis. Yeah. So, uh, talking about <laughs> Obi's game, uh, he crawls into a furnace to look for one of the antidote things. And then the door just slams and he gets burned alive in there. And there was a way for him to escape. But when he, they broke the window for him to come out, he didn't look that burnt. He really didn't look that burnt, and I think that's because convincing burn makeup is expensive. <laughs> I also think that it's because all of the burns were happening on his the lower half of his body, and it was moving its way forward. That's, that's true. But his clothes would have been more burnt. His more clothes sand. would have been yeah. so... And it yeah. was all lit up right on the other side of the window before they broke the window, too. Yeah, true. And he just kind of popped his head out, and all of a sudden the fire was gone on that side. Because he should have started steaming up. I, I'd Wait, more steaming more. up? He's steaming up? Is it, yeah. Like, not like, an NBA Jam podcast, Jackson. That's fire. <laughs> I know. But he would. He should have looked a lot like redder, bloodier, more irritated. And he looked like nothing. He had a couple burnt patches of hair. So the other, the other thing about fire Barely. is that it damages you very quickly. It yes. is not a subtle thing that happens with time. If you have ever touched a hot stove, you or know been that, a fire breather, right? Uh, I mean, you you your skin is damaged very quickly. Um, he would have been in a lot of trouble 
very quickly in that scene. That was a very cringy scene. We were yeah. all uncomfortable watching it. I mean, it's not the cringiest. Uncomfortable yeah, as doctors or uncomfortable as... Human beings. I think like as, a, as a human. humans with skin who have yeah, all burned themselves. It. Well, and he was in a furnace, too, so the heat would have been intensified. Forget about the flames, but it must have been... It's not the heat, it's the humidity. <laughs> in this case... <laughs> Terrible. So terrible. <laughs> Number oh, one, we live in San Diego. It's yeah. it's neither because it's great. Yeah, uh, and <laughs> you know that that furnace has got kind of a dry heat. Yeah, yeah it's a dry. <laughs> heat. It's a little dry. Heat. He'll be just fine. But the other thing too is like the oxygen would have all been sucked away too. Right. If he was yeah. in the, yeah. that tight of a room, so he probably would have not been able to breathe for a while. He probably would have passed out before he made it out of that window. It was a quick scene. Yeah. I don't know. Relatively quick. So uh, the way he was supposed to get out of it was. On the other side of where the fire was coming from was a knob to turn off the gas. Yes, there was a little devil there that said twist. Yeah, and so that was that knob was inside the furnace. It was clearly made of metal. That's one of those things where had he grabbed it, it would have been a very punishing thing for his palm. Mm-hmm. The whole thing, when you when you have fire damage or heat damage to your body, that reaction is really, really quick. That is where you have skin that sloughs off. That is where you uh, actually you burn the inside of your lungs. That's that's actually what causes a lot of yeah. death mm-hmm. or secondary issues with people is that they're actually burned on the inside of their body. This this is just a horrible thing to see. Granted, it was very it was pretty sterile, it, right? Like it it this is something that would have been way it, worse. It was in actually real life. the least gruesome looking of the deaths, but it was it, it was very viscerally. Upsetting nonetheless. Yes. And it, you focus on your own specialty, but as his head was coming out of that window. <laughs> <laughs> he got one shoulder out. Uh-huh. Like, oh and no. It looked like he was going to make it. <laughs> and that second shoulder just got stuck. And I was thinking, shoulder dystocia, there are things you can do. I was going to say, did you get that you want, guy did out you, of there? Did you want to push down on top of the oven? <laughs> Just push down on them and just try to push them out or break that clavicle so it can come out. Hey, you know what? Just one more good push. You gotta do it, right? But that's that's OB that does that stuff, right? Oh yeah, I just stand in the corner. Have you ever had to do had to be part of that? Because when they do dystocia, they don't they're not messing around. Oh, they don't mess around. They call it a like it's a code shoulder, and every single person in the hospital descends upon this (laughs) poor woman, and I stand in the corner. Can you explain explain to our viewers who don't know what shoulder dystocia is? No, it's okay. (laughs) No, no, no. That's a really funny thing. That's fair. We have to explain this. Can you please explain what shoulder dystocia is to our... Code shoulder. And a cold shoulder. Not a cold shoulder. When a baby is born in the natural way, the head comes out first... And then the shoulders have to come out. And basically you want to get like the largest part of the baby out and then the rest of it just comes out. But sometimes one of the shoulders gets hooked up on the mother's pelvis. And so the baby gets stuck. And whenever a baby gets stuck coming out, you worry that they're not getting oxygen, there's pressure on the cord, and it can be life-threatening. So when it is identified that there is a shoulder dystocia or a baby is stuck because one of the shoulders is caught on the mother's pelvis... There are maneuvers that you can do to get that shoulder to dislodge itself and have the baby deliver safely. Um, but these maneuvers involve pressure on the mother from above and changing the position of her legs and things that are not comfortable things to watch or to experience, I would assume. Things that you can't do to an oven. 
<laughs> how would you probably cannot do to an oven. Yeah. How would I you adjust the you, oven legs? I will tell you there are clavicular fractures that oh. help babies get out, oh. and there are you know things that are not ideal, but ways that a human body can get smaller to fit through. So you would have broke that guy's clavicle. I would. Have. <laughs> <laughs> you I, let's get him you, out of there. You wouldn't raise the oven's legs up or turn not, it to the, the side. Did not I don't even legs, think superfundal pressure is a thing anymore. I don't remember any of it. I. It's like in medicine. There are there's... maneuvers. Like I said, I stand in the corner. I'm. I'm just because I've already made one friend's joke this evening. I'm just thinking pivot, pivot. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's, I love that episode. Oh, terrible. Can I mention one of Jigsaw's best uh, lines in this movie? "Quote: I'm not fixable. I've had cancer." And then right after that, they show the scene of him getting into a car accident. With a massive rod through oh, his side. Yeah. <laughs> and then he just yanks it out and just it, lies there on the side. He can't serve the rod. Yeah. So then he cured himself then because he removed the entire rod. Well, though these are two separate incidents. He got the diagnosis that he has cancer. He decided he's going to kill himself. He drives his car off of a cliff, but he survives. But he ends up being impaled by something. Yeah. Gets out of the car, tries to... decides he wants to live. Right. And that's a raw death to me. See? Another near-death experience, and now he wants... Now he has tasted the joy of life and wants to live. But pulling out the rod... Bad idea. You leave the rod in. Leave the rod in. So you get help. If you are impaled by something, and you are alive. (laughs) And you want to stay alive because you have a new lease on life because of your accident... Because of your diagnosis. Well, and that's the key, though. Wasn't he trying to kill himself? But then he wasn't But then he wasn't. But he wasn't. Yeah, so so if you get stabbed by something and it's still in you, or like in the movies when people get shot and there's a bullet, like you don't remove things that aren't causing damage. And so for his in in his case, he was doing okay enough. I mean, yeah, you don't want a rod sticking out of you, but you leave that to professional people. That rod could be could have pierced something, but it's also holding it closed, so it's not causing you to bleed everywhere. Yeah. Or by pulling it out, you could slice something open that was otherwise undamaged. You want to do. Nothing. You want to not touch that as much as possible. There might be one situation where you might need to remove the rod. Is That was a pretty long rod. And he couldn't go anywhere to get help. I that's mean, true. And so that's that's when your risk-benefit is. Yeah. Is this going to cause more damage if I don't do something? Or do I just lie here and die? Usually when when someone has an accident like this and there are professionals around... They will shorten that rod to make it less... So you fit in the ambulance. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. This, I mean, this is a tough call. I don't know. I would have pulled it out. You yeah. shouldn't, though. But you are more likely to do damage by pulling oh. it out than by leaving it in. Yeah. And yeah. it's going to look weird when you start breathing, because it's going to move. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Just, just slowly sliding in and out. But that's just terrible. <laughs> and Courtney has now covered her face because she is cringing. Um, speaking of cringing, though, can we go to like the cringiest one, Xavier's Game? No, I don't want to talk about no, we're talking about Xavier's game. So Xavier's game is the one. So Xavier was a drug dealer, correct? Uh, and so to get the antidote to the sarin gas or the Kirkland brand sarin gas yes. that he was using, <laughs> I prefer Great Value. <laughs> that's this not is continuous. Let's not brand shame Costco. Okay, uh, that's why I'm brand shame costing or uh, brand shaming Walmart. <laughs> um, the Great Value brand uh, sarin gas. <laughs> you knew that too quickly. <laughs> the antidote was in somewhere in a. It was not swing. the antidote. It was. It was the key, key to an antidote. I was gonna say that. Was, I also was, thought it was antidote initially, and then it was glowing green. And I'm not injecting that. Yeah. No. <laughs> like, um, the 
but was inside basically a kitty swimming pool full of hypodermic needles. Yeah. yeah. And, and syringes. Used. 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 Yeah. Well, it's supposedly used. Pure I mean, used. A pure they used. Have, there was stuff in them. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there was extra fun stuff in there. And this was something that was like a little uncomfortable for me. But the three doctors in the room <laughs> yeah. were like were like me during Human Centipede or the eye stuff in this movie. I mean, it's I, pretty cringy. I think but it's not cringy in the this is wrong way. Cringy in the oh I'm so uncomfortable way. It's a little both actually. I I mean, I have been stuck by a needle. Granted, it wasn't after it was used in a patient, so it was not a big deal. But it is like it puts a flash of a lot of stuff in your brain. Yeah. And you're taught very, like, it is hammered into you, needle safety, sharp safety, like, don't get stuck by anything. Also, don't accidentally stick somebody, because that's a thing that you can do while you're trying to help. And so to see just a big, like... Dozens. A, a, like a Not dozens, hundreds. Like hundreds. a swimmable well, amount, like, like a Scrooge McDuck amount yeah. <laughs> of used needles. Yeah. And then somebody falls into it, which is one thing, like... That is enough. Thrown into it. Thrown, Thrown into, into it. it. And the she it's it's not even when she starts to move around because like that oh like oh that sucks that sucks. But when she drags her foot through it the first time, I was just like oh it hurt it just it hurts yeah it hurts to talk about. And you know what? I don't think I connected in my brain why the three of us cringed so much. <laughs> yeah. But I think you're right. I think it is the the needle sticks that and, that dig into you. And you'd be surprised how many patients I do see on a, like. Re- relatively regular basis where they come in with needle sticks from like the playground and whatnot. Mm. Oh. And then when I call like uh, infectious disease or whatnot, the risk of transmission is really, really low. It's very true. It's... However, but it's there. That's a lot of needles, right. so your risk immediately goes yeah, up. Yeah, that's where I meant. Said she had dozens. There were dozens sticking, sticking to her. Yeah, yeah. and that's not even out. all the ones that got her because yeah. some of them were not sticking to her. Yeah, and also. Some syringes are glass, and that's the other thing that I'm... It's just like, everything about that is so cringy. Yeah. Uh, it hurt me to look at I it. felt like watching... That's the film, only thing I remembered from this movie. She's more likely to get a MRSA infection than, like, yeah. HIV or hepatitis, which is... I mean, that's everyone's big fear of stepping on a needle in the playground or whatever mm-hmm. that you're going to get HIV. Mm-hmm. But really, you're more likely to get some kind of bacterial infection because it's just dirty in general. Yeah. And all of those, she wouldn't... Like, if she lived to deal with MRSA or hepatitis or HIV, she would have gotten through the knockoff sarin gas. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. So this is the actually she's, best case scenario. She's got a high constitution. Yeah. Well, infection aside, it just hurts. Yeah. If you describe pain as, oh, it feels like a million needles are sticking to me, that's what happened to her. <laughs> yeah, that's literally what she, She's living the nightmare of 10 out of 10 on the pain. Yeah. Yes. And can I also say, we all, it's also the complaint that we have for every Hollywood movie. It wasn't bloody enough. Yeah. It, no, well, there was no blood. It's no hard blood. needles. It's hard to say because that was a needles, lot of needles. But that's a lot of needles. And she was flailing. flailing. She was, that's true. She was digging. And there were some, when the needles stuck out of her, there were blood drips from those sections too. But Also, uh, you're going to be real sore. Can we talk about. Yes, but really quick question. A syringe is what holds the drugs. As opposed to the needle, the needle, which is the needle. The needle right. is the pointy end. Yes. I always think of the syringe as being both. Think of Iris Stark. There you go. You stick him with the pointy stick end. Stick him with the pointy end. Yeah. It, it, is Her that... thing was called needle, right? Yeah. yeah. It took me a minute. It wasn't <laughs> called syringe. That was a good reference it was that a I made. very good reference. <laughs> Please listen to Johnny's other podcast, Got Thrones. Thank yeah. you. So just about transmission in general, I think that's worth talking about for a second. 
like Jackson said, if you do get a needle stick randomly somewhere, it is less likely that you're going to get some disease and more likely that you're going to get a bacterial infection just because it's dirty. Transmission of any disease through through something that doesn't have fluid blood in it is pretty low. Uh, it's still gross. It still makes my skin crawl to think about it. I would still get checked out by a doctor. Oh, yeah. But it's just low likelihood of having serious disease. The one you're most likely to get is hepatitis. That one is transmitted way easier than HIV. But there's, I mean, if you got stuck with a needle, there's almost no way that you could not freak out about it. Mm-hmm. It's just more likely than not, you're nothing is really going to happen other than you might get a nasty wound that needs some treatment. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's why I sort of live... Needle sticks are worse because there's liquid blood. There's like blood in them, yeah. typically. Yeah, the hollow the, needle. This one all looked dry and just grody. I mean, it oh, would be. It, it would. Yes. I would be freaking out. I would be vomiting. I'm sure that I would be vomiting out of fear. <laughs> that would make that scene a lot more interesting, though. Well, anyway. Adding more vomit, just vomit. <laughs> oh my god, I got bleh. just over and over and over again. Medicine aside and back to human interactions, everyone seems kind of okay that he threw her in there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That is. I mean, like upset and oh, that wasn't cool, but it wasn't like me. It wasn't get her out. I'd, I'd like to think that I would have kicked him in afterwards, but I don't think so. Yeah, I think he's a pretty scary guy. He's supposed to be a scary guy. I'm scared of him. It actually made me think this is more of a screenwriting thing than a doctoring thing, but it made me feel like they had a relationship beforehand that they did not. <laughs> that it was like that they had. Had some sort of past, but they did. They were all connected by a common. <laughs> they were bond. connected by by a common bond, but they oh. didn't. They didn't know each other. Oh, okay. They just knew the same dirty Wahlberg. <laughs> dirty Donnie Wahlberg. Yeah, Donnie Dibs. The old DDW. Wahlbergers <laughs> <laughs> um, is not sponsoring next week. Yeah. Uh, what did you guys think about the girl from Seventh Heaven who had the really bad seizures? My favorite story about seizures is we had a girl come into our ER, and this was before, I think I was a medical student, it was before I started school, but the story was she was having a seizure, and there are things that you can do to determine if someone is having a real seizure. And Jackson, I'm sure you do this in the emergency room all the time. I do this a lot. But one of them, and my favorite one, is you hold their hand over their face, like above their face, and you let go. And someone having a seizure, their hand is going to fall directly onto their face and not feel right. Mm-hmm. Um, someone having what we call a pseudo-seizure, or not a real Baking seizure. It. We call them Baking psychogenic, non-epileptic seizures. That hand, inexplicably, that hand inexplicably falls to the side of their face, even though it started directly above them. And so the ER physician in charge kind of recognized what was happening, and this girl had like a prominent father. And he, so he gets up right next to her ear, and he goes... Stop it. <laughs> and immediately the seizure stopped. <laughs> so my favorite story about like fake seizures was I had one girl who was seizing on her face. And she was seizing kind of like how the girl was in the movie. Like just writhing around like a flopping fish out of water. Just flopping up and down. And I just said, if she keeps flopping like that, her face is going to get real messed up. <laughs> so that she turned her face to the side so that her face wouldn't get messed up anymore and I just go I got the diagnosis you guys but that seizure looked terrible like going back to the movie she didn't turn blue she wasn't foaming at the mouth and then she just died well and it was kind of 
intermittent too. Like it was pretty, you know, serious and jerking, and then she kind of got. And then the camera was off for a second. Exactly, she got a little bored. The camera was off. Someone else was talking or something, so she settled down a minute, and then it was right back into it. It is tiring. People that have the the tonic clonic seizure, that's like where part of your body is shaking. That's all of your muscles are firing and it uses the energy of all your muscles firing or whatever muscle group is firing. But it is tiring. Usually people that have seizures, they are exhausted afterward yeah. and they go to sleep. They go nap nap for a long time. <laughs> Don't say nap nap. They go nap nap for a while. Medical term for that is post-ictal. But Correct. Post-ictal is... state. Yeah. I, I just love that one of the tests for is it a real seizure is stop hitting yourself. <laughs> no joke. Well, so, and then, no, um, it's start hitting yourself. Start hitting yourself. yourself. Did you stop hitting yourself? Basically, put them in a situation where they might feel something. Where they would make a conscious choice then, exactly. to, uh, to avoid it. The other time I actually stopped a uh, seizure was I said, okay, we really got to do a drug test and if we can't get a urine. We're going to have to put in a Foley catheter, which is, and then I described it in just gruesome detail. Like, we got to clean the area with really cold, like, soap and betadine. Then use this really big tube and just try to stretch out the opening of the urethra and pass that tube in. Then we'll inflate a balloon in the bladder. And the minute I said the word inflate balloon, (laughs) done. (laughs) So I have a question for you guys because I don't typically take care of adults. But in neonates, when someone seizes, when a patient starts seizing, we look to see if the movement is suppressible. So Mm -hmm. if I have a baby who's twitching their arm and it looks like it could be a seizure... I will hold that arm, mm-hmm. and if I can stop the movement, it's typically not a seizure. Yeah. It's something that we call myoclonic jerking, which is kind of a muscular thing, mm-hmm. and we worry less that it's something you know neurological that's going to cause a seizure. Yeah. Can you suppress? Is that similar? Yeah. I mean, we do the same thing for patients that we see in the ER with seizures all the time. It's like, if I hold their arm and they're still shaking through that, then I, I'm a little more worried that it is a real seizure. One big difference is that our patients can talk to us. And so that usually informs the situation a little bit better. Yeah, so you don't. I mean, when no, they're faking it, it's right. But I think you can correct me, please, if I'm wrong. But pseudo seizures are a thing that's kind of not really in adult pop. That's more like ad- kids and adolescents. Correct. Really? Yeah, it can actually happen in adults. I know. I'm not saying it can't. I'm saying it's, it's so it's very popular. It's not popular, but it's very common in the <laughs> adolescent all um, the rage population. However. One of the big risk factors of having a psychogenic non-epileptic seizure is actually having the diagnosis of a seizure. Okay. Or once they know that they can do it. Or knowing someone with seizures. Okay. So those are actually some of the biggest risk factors to having that. Is it like attention getting? Oh man, I had a seizure as a baby. Am I, am I, could I start having, a lot of people start faking seizures? A lot of babies have seizures, but they don't, they're not seizure disorders. Yeah, so. there's something called febrile seizures where a child, typically six months to six years, has right. a seizure um, immediately before or during a very high fever. No, that's, that's, that's not, not high fever. It's a, a quick um, advance to the temperature. That's the one. Um, but usually it ends up as a high fever. I, I hate <laughs> and usually that. Yeah. <laughs> usually, I have to do this talk every day, so that's why. So if I have a fever, I'm going to have a seizure. Correct. No. But typically that does not indicate a lifelong yeah. epilepsy um, syndrome. It increases the risk. I, I was just worrying if I was at risk to start faking seizures. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you do on your fun time is all you. I'm I'll do it on the podcast. Yeah. I'm going to give you a green light to that. I'm, I'm, this is a curiosity question. Are pseudo-seizures, like, is that someone who is doing a pseudo-seizure or is it like, 
this is my maladaptive coping mechanism and my brain is making me do this. I think it could be both. It's both. Right? Or okay. either, I should say. Either, either, neither, either or. <laughs> yeah, it could be either or. They might not know they're doing it or they are do- they know they're doing it. It could be either one. Okay. I, I, Usually the ones that know they're doing it, it's really obvious and they, they, they're they horrible Because actors. they look like someone in a movie yeah. who's doing a seizure Correct. as opposed to someone who's has, having a seizure. Exactly. It's hard to fake medical illnesses. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. We have a lot of tests. Yeah, you can't, like, put your thermometer under, a, like, a you, oven or something. You can, you can, but the thing is, your temperature of 120 is not survivable. It's typically a red flag. <laughs> Home Alone, they do that. Or, no, Ferris Bueller, they do the hot water bottle. No, that's different. In Ferris Bueller, he licks his palms. In, <laughs> in Ferris, that's the whole speech he gives, because with a phony fever, with a nervous mother, you might end up in a hospital. Yep. So what I do is I fake a stomach cramp, and when I'm bent over moaning in pain, I lick my palms. Sweaty palms is a good non-specific. It is. Symptom. It's a great one. I'm sorry. Ferris Bueller is the only perfect movie I can think of. It is yeah. an amazing movie. I don't want to get into that. Princess Bride. It's pretty good. Too. Can I bring up something, Greg? Hold on. I have a real. Wait. Now I don't remember what I was asking. So yes, you may bring. Now it up. you made. Can I bring up something Greg brought up? Um, yes. About, you can talk about me. <laughs> about something uh, that Donnie Wahlberg did. And about how angrily he stomped onto... Oh, oh yeah. Oh. So it, at this point in time, uh, it, Donnie Wahlberg, who has a name and it's Eric, we know this because it's screened Eric all the time, is uh, trying to beat the information about his son out of out of Jigsaw. And he, he curb stomps him. He does a lot of stuff. People that have, people that have advanced... Cancer diagnosis, that's can- where cancer is kind of spread throughout the body, or they've had cancer for a long time and their body is deteriorating around them. They really, like, he looks frail in this movie, and people are actually frail. Their bones are more brittle, they have a tendency to have very um, thin skin, and they can have skin tears and bleed easily. They're just kind of overall not working properly. So the idea that somebody who is a patient in that state can get into some sort of fight with someone who doesn't destroy them completely. Like, the way that, that Eric stomps on Jigsaw, I mean... He stomped he, on it like he, he was stom- trying to put out a dog poop bag on fire. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. <laughs> he stomps on him so hard that his, he would have broken every... He would have just collapsed his rib cage. It would have been the most disgusting thing ever. And then you see, like, two seconds later, he's still... He's punching him in the face. It's just... People that are that brittle are actually brittle. pretty brittle, and you could he would he would have destroyed this person. Yeah, that one that one was a little cringy because he really wound up for that one and he went for it. So then, kind of going on with the movie, there's that other girl whose name I don't even remember what her name is. Mad Amanda, other girl, other girl, the pink shirt girl. When she kind of like breaks off oh. because she finds out yeah. that. The kid is, like, the son of the cop. Like, puts her arms in the metal trap. Now, my non-medical, my non-doctor theory on this is this was Amanda's trap because Amanda was the one who slit her wrists and it was putting her hands in a trap. But yeah. they didn't go to any story on this room because no. they were near the end of the movie. I think they were yeah, getting they pretty lazy. they just kind of ran right through it, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. And then she just jams her arms up there and then there's a bunch of blood and whatnot. 
Well, Did you think that was enough? What got me was she put one arm up there and then tried to get to the syringe and it, you know, spilled. She's not very bright. <laughs> and then she put the other arm in the other hole. Like, I mean, once you once your antidote is lost, you would think the other arm could be used to help free the first arm. Yeah, but yeah, that's you not could have where freed yourself went. with just fingertips. So. It also didn't really feel like there was a winning scenario there. There was an absolutely a winning scenario, and it was having two people in there so that one person could like put their hands yeah. up and push things away. Yeah. But you you still can't get the antidote. The antidote was wasted. If you were holding just holding the sides of the or cage, she could have jammed her. I I think the the point of that trap was she could jam her arm down oh. and then push down, and then the injection would go into her arm. Not a valid way to deliver it. I was gonna. That's assuming that that antidote is intramuscular or doesn't have to not be a, IV. Not we just know that it's though. magic because we've not seen it applied anywhere. But the other, but also the other thing about this movie and the theme of the whole movie is teamwork makes the dream work. It's true, and that's true. And all of these traps, if they worked together, they probably would have had a better chance of success. Except for the except get for, a get a shotgun through the face. Except for looking through the shotgun people. Yeah. They could have solved that entire puzzle in the first room and not have to do anything else. Saw is about psychiatry. It is predicting human behavior psychiatry? based on... Psychiatry? <laughs> oh, Jack. Oh, man. I don't know what we're calling next year's horror October. It's psychiatry. For that knife trap, I wrote down... It looked like... The thing about cuts and bleeding is it depends on what you cut and what's bleeding. You can have superficial cuts on your wrist that aren't that big of a deal. And that, what was happening to her, that was an appropriate amount of blood. Except for if she hit something major and because she's kind of moving around and she's got razor blades pushed against all parts of her arm. I mean, I, I feel like not only would it be bleeding more, but she might be handless Within a, a short period of time. She's also real skinny, so she probably would have nicked something bad yeah. at that point already. Well, and the way they were set up, too, was at that angle that, you know, you can go in, but as you come out is when you start getting the... It's like a Chinese finger trap. Exactly. You've got two major was... arteries going through your wrist, the radial and the ulnar, and maybe she just didn't hit either of those. Right. But, I mean, there's a... If you look down at your wrist, you can see all those superficial veins and stuff. They bleed... <laughs> So Pretty I love good. that as we're talking about this, we're both looking at our he, wrists. All, all, yeah, all of us are. <laughs> holding them up. So when they, when Donnie Wahlberg brings Jigsaw to the the saw house, he was still attached to all of his IV stuff. Yeah, that was actually my question the whole time. Was like, did he bring that? Was, oh, so did he, he bring so the bag? He was. Well, he started out know. like he was just hanging out attached to bags. No. It, it, no bags medical supervision whatsoever. Well, That's bags of saline, yeah. Um, is that... Would there be any reason for him to just be hanging out attached to IV bags yep. throughout the course of the movie? But I didn't see the bags in the van. So I would I would be saying what... I don't know what they say in the movie. I would nothing. Say. They said nothing. I don't know what they said in the movie, but it's so, the way that he's presented, it sort of feels like he's getting chemotherapy. But definitely not. Any patient that is that ill, like part of getting chemotherapy is you have to be kind of a certain amount of healthy. It kind of knocks your body down. And so patients who are kind of bedbound at home and psychopaths, presumably, are not getting chemotherapy. But they might be getting other types of therapy. So in my job, I, I do give people medicine through, not necessarily through their veins, but I do give them um, like subcutaneous medicine 
or through a port that they may have. And that's usually for symptom management, be it nausea or pain control. Pain control is the big one that helps kind of get medicine in there faster. So that's a thing that he could presumably be having. and But be doing on his own? And be doing on it. Well, I mean, oh, somebody... Oh, oh. Somebody sent him the medication. Spoiler alert, and later in the movies, you'll it, find out who sets all that It stuff seems up. like okay. resources aren't this guy's problem. No. True. <laughs> when you are rich enough, someone will come to you and bring you the medicine that you need. Oh. And also, the bags that he had were large, too. It yeah. looked like maybe 500 cc's of something in there. So it could have been, like, he, you know, when you get to a point, you're not able to take in enough liquids or, you know, eat sufficiently. And so... Also, Some of that can be taken. Also, if it's chemotherapy, IV. usually they do put like a bag over that because it's light sensitive. That's so true. light can actually destroy the medication itself. But one random question I want to ask you guys is: Can you hide a key underneath your IV bandaging? Because that was a yes. random thing that they did. I'm not necessarily enough tape will hide anything. Normally, I would say no, but they did a very cursory search on that guy. They they searched him for two seconds before saying he's all clear. No, no. Not a police pat-down podcast. <laughs> they did not do an adequate job. He's also wearing a robe full of pockets, and pockets were not... They didn't do a good job. No. It is not a police pat-down podcast, but I will gladly be a guest on one and explain how things are done. Random trivia, if you have cancer or leukemia or something like that, you're not supposed to be checked in the rectal area. You're not actually supposed to do like rectal temperatures or anything like that because they're at high risk for bleeding and high risk for infection. What about it being exposed to sarin gas? Ooh, that's a definite no-no. Depends, depends on the situation. <laughs> are you trying to kill said patient <laughs> but you guys talking about hiding keys makes me think about the eye thing again it feels like that's a theme in this movie and I got distracted before but the way that I would hide a key behind an eye is you just gotta snip those little muscles holding the eye <laughs> and I'm freaking Johnny out Just there's a couple little tiny muscles that hold the eye and control which direction it moves and you just release those muscles and you could just you could slide uh some of them are the rectus muscles medial medial rectal then you just slide that key underneath the eye to the side of the eye and put a little puncture in the back of the orbit and you got it in there no problem good job you can get it pretty deep in there too yeah you can you can can slip that thing Mm -hmm. way deep and then you could pop the eye back in although if they coughed it might pop back out if you weren't going to do gold muscle all Popeye well but then you also have the optic nerve holding it in there too yeah but it would be I mean now you don't have any of the muscles you know what you know the thing about thought experiments is sometimes you realize shouldn't be thinking about yeah (laughs) you probably shouldn't be thinking about but yeah kind of all of this builds to the final scene because you know Jigsaw's telling uh, Donnie Wahlberg just talk to me your son will be fine he'll be in a safe and secure location emphasis on the word Sick. Yeah. This whole thing is a guy like giggling to himself making pun traps. Yeah. Like that means writing that, out what this, he's going to say guy, exactly. I think Jigsaw could have just had a career writing editorial cartoons <laughs> instead. In the New Yorker? It, it, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, like something much, much less sophisticated. It looks like this child's in a safe and secure location. Open <laughs> I mean, I think I've seen that in the New Yorker. <laughs> yeah. or, or making mad fold-ins. <laughs> oh my out from God. Mad Magazine. Find uh, your child by folding in. Like, but yeah, he, so he spent his time in, a, like, throughout the course of the movie, it turns out Donnie Wahlberg's kid was in a safe with an oxygen tank. Can you live? Can you live for three, let's say, hour and a half? There's a lot of what-ifs in there. There's a lot of what-ifs because I'm a little dubious because if it's an airtight thing, eventually he's going to be building up a lot of CO2. Well, he had, he had an oxygen mask. Right. It's like you, a matter, you, you, if it's airtight, you only have so much 
space in there to be mm-hmm. anything. I mean, the atmospheric air is like mostly nitrogen, and then it's oxygen and something else that I can't remember. Hydrogen. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. But eventually, you're gonna build. You're gonna breathe in all that oxygen. Sure, you might have a supply for two hours, but you're making so much CO two that the atmospheric pressure and all that stuff. You're not going to be breathing just oxygen at that point. You're going to probably suffocate if it's airtight. So, but that's the, like, also that's safe to not look airtight. That looked like an old the best solution would for it be not to be airtight and for him to drill a couple holes in the back and yeah. Oh, but who knows? And if you drill a couple holes in the back, then possibly someone could be making noise and calling attention to them. Although dead, they look dead, pretty dead. dead. That uh, those cops were pretty keyed up. I don't think they would have been hearing anyone knocking from the no. inside of a lead-lined safe. I'm assuming it was lead-lined. I'm just gonna say it's it lead-lined. looked pretty thick. It was just a dubious situation for that kid to be in because I don't think he would have made it honestly because he was already kind of sick and there was no way he could have lived that long to do all that stuff. Uh, one more question before I get to the two big questions of the show. Uh, going all the way back to the like third or fourth scene, you guys both talk. So there's a the, as the cops are storming the building, the cops are exposed to a trap. Uh, but let's talk about what you talked as a tib fib fracture. Oh, oh, oh that yeah. was the first time that all the doctors cringed. Yeah, that was a good cringe, and we just cringed again. Yeah, so, tib fib means um, tibia fibula, so that's the two bones of your lower leg. And I don't know what came out exactly, but just snap that dude's leg. Oh, so there, it was like a bear trap sort of thing. The stairs it was like flipped. A, yeah, yeah. So he was walking up some kind of metal stairs, and then it kind of flipped over, and it basically, yeah, it's like a bear trap. He caught his lower was, shin. I, I into... actually don't think it was just. A, I think it slid, so he could slide between the stairs, and then and a piece was like came through. <clears throat> And just snapped his leg. Either way. <laughs> it was severe. Things, metal parts closed over the lower section of his leg and we all screamed. Yeah. So why is a tib-fib fracture so bad? So, it a it's very thin muscle. Or, sorry, thin tissue there. So when you cut through there, it's a pretty severe fracture. But also, when you repair it, you're at higher risk for compartment syndrome, too. So you can actually... Um, increased pressure in that area. What's compartment syndrome? So your leg's made up of a lot of different compartments, and if one of them swells up so much that it pushes on the nerves and the blood vessels, it'll cause a lot of pain and potentially uh, lead to amputation. Jackson, you're skipping over a lot of stuff and going right to compartment syndrome. That's all I think of in the ER. Do you remember the five Ps of compartment syndrome? Pain, pallor, paresthesias, um, pulselessness, and there's one more. Poikilocytosis. Poikilocytosis? Poikilo... temperature sensation. It's my favorite. So the tibia and fibula are the two bones that are in your lower leg. Jackson said that. This thing comes out, slams them, they break. These are weird bones. The fibula especially doesn't really do... It's Mm. it's just like a thing that's there. But they're sort of thin bones that are also shaped weird. And so if you have a fracture like that, you could potentially have the bone come sticking out of your leg, which is whenever something like that happens, it's called a compound fracture. There's a couple examples of that during uh, March Madness a couple years ago. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Some, and, and, like, it's just a thing that happens. It's especially when people, if people are really, really strong, you have a lot of uh, forces acting on those muscles, and then you start putting lots of physics, load, physics loads on them. And that's a horrible injury. It's happened in the NFL before. Um, UFC. Yes, in UFC. I think I know exactly. (laughs) Yeah, I know you know. So that's the other thing. Like, it's not even seeing what happened. It's sort of knowing about the damage that can happen after it. 
like Jackson was saying, because you start doing damage and there are areas that are sort of sealed off from other areas in your leg, then you can get swelling because that's your body's normal response. And then that swelling itself can cause other damage. That is what compartment syndrome is. Yeah. I- I'm just thinking about the Titanic now and... All the compartments? All the various compartments. Yes. If one fills up to too that. much, it's, it's bad. So that's all you need to know about that part. Um, question number one is a new one. Okay. Ooh. Human centipede was 100% medically accurate. <laughs> In comparison. In comparison, how many percent medically accurate is Saw 2? For an example, since this is the first time, I would call the office episode The Injury 42,000% medically accurate. I was going to say, this is going to be more than 100%. Yeah. So how many percent medically accurate is so in, Saw 2? In my head. Okay, Human so. Centipede was, I think I said, like, 28% accurate. I think that the marketing material said 100% medically accurate. So, if, because math. if I remember my SAT and 28 Everything. is to 100. Everything is <laughs> Slightly less than 4. Um, I, I think this is, pr- they're not trying to do medical stuff. So, it's hard for me to see, I mean, anything in there is plausible. Do I think there should have been more blood in one of the cases? Yeah, but... The burn victim could have been more burnt. Yeah, but also, who knows, maybe... Is the chemo a little bit off? Yeah. And, you know, the energy for the... I'd say it's probably two or three times more accurate than I would say. Yeah, I would say... So I'd, I'd say 200 to 300% more uh, medically accurate human centipedes. I, I'm, I think it's significantly more than that. You think that? <laughs> <laughs> like, I think maybe... 700% more accurate. This is like, this movie's, there's nothing crazy about it. 700% medically accurate. 200 to 300% medically accurate. Yeah. I'm gonna go five. 500% medically accurate. I'm cynical. You're wrong, it's 700. A, <laughs> it's very clear. There's a little bit crazy in there. A little but bit. I, as opposed, when it, everything is relative and comparing it to human centipede, yes. I, mean, I think the things that make it crazy are more physics based as opposed to medicine based. Yeah. I would say the chemo thing was kind of. Yeah. There's no nobody says anything. Sure. That's that's in your head. That is in my head. <laughs> you think say. that's chemo? It might but not be chemo. The burning, the chemo. burning thing didn't. That burning and, thing and, is the most egregious and, one. Oh, no, and the sarin gas, maybe, the presumed sarin gas. That part wasn't very accurate either. All right, probably five hundred percent. Winner, winner, winner. All right, and how would we make this film more medically accurate? Everyone needs to be juicier. Yeah, no, I mean, unless there's a reason for people to be coughing up blood, there's no, why is it in there? Yeah. I mean, I get, artistically, it is very clear and whatnot, but you can also definitely make them much more juicy because of the sarin gas and just having them leak <laughs> much everywhere. More, much more juicy. Juicier. It's kind of funny. Our commentary is that there is too much blood and not enough blood. Yeah, yeah. there's not too much and too not much enough. blood. Get it right, enough. Hollywood. Yeah, too much blood, not enough juice. <laughs> yeah, you need more juice. That's the whole point of this whole thing. Yeah, and then everyone should be chasing harder for needles and getting their their shots. Yeah, um, we hardly brought up the fact that there was apparently an antidote to sarin gas that would be hanging out in I mean, a safe. Is that reasonable? There is an antidote. It's atropine. It, the The treatment for an organophosphate is atropine. So that would be what would, you would use to dry yourself up. Ladies and gentlemen, that is a test question. It, <laughs> is, it is actually a, a test question. So um, 
that's the only medical advice for real thing. Med students, tweet this episode out. <laughs> At the end, there's an answer. But yeah, atropine yeah. is what you're supposed to use. It's also what you're supposed to use if you got the same, was it the VX toxin from The Rock? That's actually what you're yeah. supposed to use too. Um, and you're supposed to stab that directly into your heart. No. For once. You don't really no. need to stab oh, it directly. Oh, okay. You're never supposed to stab it. You need to get okay. it into your circulatory system. No, but in The Rock, that's what Nicolas Cage does. Right in the chest. You want me to stick this into my heart? Are you nuts? We should talk about that. That's on the list. That's on the list. I can't wait. Yeah. yeah that's going to be a terrible one. So, uh, possibly for the rest of Horror-tober. Horror-tober. <laughs> we'll be talking about... Uh, we, we, we're talking Final Destination or something else. We'll see how things work out. Yep. Um, but otherwise... Otherwise... Either way, actually, we will see you guys next week. If you want to do the intro to the show, you can record it and send it to HiEverybodyPodcast at gmail.com. And yeah, we will see you guys next week. Thanks to Greg and Courtney for being here. And thanks everyone for listening. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Hi, everybody. A Bad Medicine Podcast is hosted by Dr. Jackson Vane and me, Johnny Kolosinski. Thanks to Laura Williams for our intro this week. And thanks to Dr. Greg Winter and Dr. Courtney Nicholas for joining us on the show. If you have any questions or want to send us an intro, hit us up at HiEverybodyPodcast at gmail.com or on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at HiEverybodyMD. And one more time for those of you in the back, this podcast is not medical advice.